0: there in the galaxy it's time for star wars all in where we get all in on the details of star wars one topic at a time two jedi archivists are here to guide you
1: through some information tonight my name is mac and i'm joined by my friend ross hello all of my tauntaun friends out there it is so great to be with you today we have an absolutely fantastic show for you we are going to explore some of the best corners of the galaxy starting with My favorite Toydarian, Watto. And then we are going to go deep, deep, deep into Queen Amidala's royal starship. So hang tight with us. Two big medium-sized topics coming at you right after the break.
0: Phantom Menace is really the first time we've been able to create photorealistic uh, characters that do act, that are completely created digitally. The difficult thing is creating a performance from a wireframe model on a computer, a performance that is as rich and as human and has got all the humor of any other character that we have in the movie. Wado well, is a cranky, second-rate car dealer peddling space junk on an uh, outer rim planet. He's a slave owner. It was a part of his culture, so that doesn't necessarily make him out-and-out out evil. But at the same time, you know, he, he values some life, especially human life, pretty cheap.
1: Sorry, Annie, but you know, business is business, huh? <laughs> Waddle became this rich character. I really hope we get to see him again. Deal! Deal.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to our first segment. Today we are taking a look at, among other things, your favorite junk dealer and mine, Watto. I guess he doesn't have a last
1: name, does he? He's just just Watto. I think it is just Watto. I think those Toydarians are just a one-name type of people. Like Madonna. Yeah, you know, Watto really is as famous as Madonna, isn't he? Well, I mean, when you think about one-named
0: characters yeah. in Star Wars, even a lot of people that shouldn't like... You'd think, like, Sase would be enough to have a crazy first name, but it's Sasetian. tian It's, you know, Jabba the
1: Hutt. Yeah. Like, everyone sort of has extra names. So it's like, Watto should be Watto the Junk Dealer, or Watto the Flying Elephant Man, but instead he's just Watto. Watto, well, He could to go with the Greedo route. Watto the Greater, as yeah. opposed to Watto the Lesser. Poggle Pog Pog yeah, Pog the Lesser? Poggle the right. Lesser. There's the
0: Lesser? Yeah, as you say, the, the uh... Gene Oceans have that scheme going. Yeah,
1: yeah, and they built a Death Star. They did the ultimate wow. weapon, twice. What? Yeah, three times if you count
0: Star Killer, and four times if you count like or like eight times if you
1: count all the uh, legends. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sun Crusher. I mean, Sun, Sun Crusher. Is it? Stop the becoming the a Death Saber, Star and the... start becoming something else. Are we just talking super weapons, or are we talking? Spherical orbs that can destroy peaceful planets with no weapons. And I would just mostly make it around. Is it a super weapon that's entire job is
0: to destroy a planet, plus or more? Yeah, Yeah, or more, or or a solar system. Yeah, yeah, okay. But Watto doesn't have such aspirations. No, no, no. Because Watto is an interesting character, I think, in Star Wars because he starts on Tatooine
1: and, as far as we know, never gets off that planet. Well, you know what's interesting, Mac? I can Uh tell you. About Watto, I can tell you all the things about Watto. Why don't you start with a simple biography of everyone's favorite Let's ugly fairy? Let's talk about what we know about Watto. Okay. Now I will tell you, Mac. I have been doing some deep diving in on Watto. I know. And I saw you. I saw you get into the the prestigious library that you have of Star Wars books. Yeah, it's it's not quite Rancho Obi Wan level library, but it is pretty good, uh, especially with newer canon materials. But most of my. But you've
0: gone there now, so you know where this library needs now to go now. I know go what to
1: aspire to. I don't, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little hesitant to start trying to get, like, every printed edition of every novel. Uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to track down some of the stuff from Japan or Germany uh, in the late 70s. You know, I think those are maybe outside of the realm of possibilities for my collection, but... Yeah, I do hope to have uh, pretty much every wide-release U.S. book one day. And I'm I'm not that far off. I'm on my way. So, as you dug into the archives... Yeah, so, you know, I learned a few new things about Watto. Uh, Well, actually, I learned one new thing about Watto. (laughs) And it was the one thing that I couldn't verify because I actually don't own this reference book. Hmm. But from the Character Encyclopedia 2016 edition... Watto started life as a soldier on Toydaria. We know he was a Toydarian from episode one. He left Toydaria after an injury suffered in battle and moved to Tatooine. There he fell in with Jawas and after learning about the junk trade, bought his own shop in Mos Espa. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. There's more. Okay. there he established himself. So Watto is in one of the busiest spaceports on Tatooine. Mm -hmm. But everyone apparently calls his shop a junk shop, even though he calls it a part shop. Now, Watto attributes his success to four things. I found this in the 2015 DK Essential Guide, the Ultimate Guide. Uh, I know a couple have been printed since then, but I picked this one up right before The Force Awakens came out. Or maybe it was right after, but it's about as up-to-date as we need to be for Watto, since we haven't gotten much more on him lately. So apparently, everybody... Uh, in the town, calls Watto's place a junk shop. But Watto attributes his success to four things. Okay. Now, I found these a little interesting because I think it might tell you a little bit about what type of character Watto is, even if you didn't know this already. So his success is attributed to inflated prices, (laughs) stolen stock, slaves, and no questions asked.
0: Well, isn't he just the venture capitalist? You know, I think Watto's got it figured out. He does, yeah. If you if you have no labor costs and all your and you have no inventory costs, yeah, I, and you can rip people off for the price of the goods, it's a pretty good, it's pretty nice for you and you
1: alone, and everyone that profits off it. You
0: know, I was going to talk about the fact later in life we see him in episode two, pretty downtrodden. But now I'm starting to feel even more like no,
1: that's justified. That's that's karma. So, it okay. Let's talk about that at the end because you think. What Watto has happened to him, he had coming. He was a bad guy who did bad things. And where he ends up with down on his luck in episode two. Well, well now that debt. you're
0: saying that he prided, like, like up on, on like, the mission statement is <laughs> stolen product. Uh, yeah, I feel a little bit bad. Because when you added the... So, now I'm not going to be able to watch, like, uh, what is it? The first episode of Clone Wars, like, ambush with, like, Yoda on Tordaria. Yeah. And then you find that Tordarians are, like, actually kind of, kind of cool... As we get to that whole thing where you go, oh, Watto isn't representative of every Toydarian ever. He's just a Toydarian. He's just a
1: capitalistic Yeah, because we find they have
0: a king. They they have a reason to have wings. They have this cool place. They got, like, Flash Gordon helmets and stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: But Didn't, now I'm going to see that he was there. <laughs> he was he at was the Boil of Toydarian.
1: Well, no, wait a minute. Because that's the Clone Wars. Right? We see but, him in Episode
0: 1. So this gets to my second point. When right? I saw him in Episode 2, I thought part of it, because he's a little... Not all there. I didn't attribute that to mental illness so much as I attributed, like, well, how old is a Tardarian? How long do they live? Maybe he's literally just hit senility and dementia.
1: I mean, it has been ten years from the time we left him in the Phantom Menace to the time we returned in Attack of the Clones. And he doesn't look exactly like a young buck He,
0: he uh, looks a little more
1: unshaven. You're, you're right. You're right. Episode one, he's, you know, kind of huffing and puffing as he goes. He's got, like, a little uh, chipped tooth. Uh, yeah, he's you know, pretty in with you know something interesting about the chipped tooth I learned is that the reason he has the chipped tooth is so he could talk out of the side of his mouth because it was easier to animate and match with the voice acting.
0: Oh, that's pretty impressive. But it's also, it's also as you can talk out of the side of the mouth, so it reflects the character
1: who's talking out of both sides of his mouth. (laughs) You know what? Wada can talk however he wants. I love him anyway. Well, I think the big thing about Watto is, I think that at the end of the day, that is his character. He is the used car salesman.
0: He is the the slick, slimy, not exactly untrustworthy, because he is in business. He's not a villain, but he's he's such a foil to what
1: they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, so let's talk about him. Okay. Let's, yeah. let's talk about where we actually meet Watto, how we're introduced to him, and what we think of him. Okay, well, let let yeah, we'll we'll start with a little personal
0: journey. So now, yeah. for me, Watto is a interesting character. I I thought he was cool. He again, I like this. I like the fact they have to deal with this extremely mundane problem. Yeah, of they need a part for their ship, the only place that has it is run by a crooked guy who, of course, doesn't want to give it to them at all. And and I like the fact that. um he, he is somehow even lazier, even though he's flying around on his hummingbird wings. Like the, the pot belly, the kind of flopped over legs that he has just sells that. And then just the way they designed him, he sort of has like, he doesn't have any hair on the top of his head, but you'd almost see the comb over like the ring of a balding spot. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's, he, he comes off as a middle-aged used car salesman in a way that's, um, I think pretty endearing cuz you just you know that character. It's a stock character from film and television that you know and he plays exactly the way you'd expect him to.
1: Absolutely. You you encounter him for the first time in Wado's shop, mm-hmm. comes flapping in and uh, you know right away what you're getting.
0: Yeah. And then just the affected voice he has is just is really good for the
1: eh how's that go in?
0: Like the, that whole like just vaguely foreign (laughs) accent that you can't really pin down. Um, And I'll be honest, when I was a kid, you know, seeing episode one for the first time, like Watto is just part of the background. But one thing I've come to really appreciate about Watto is we think about episode one and one of its big claims of fame is Jar Jar Banks is the first like principal character that was completely CG. Absolutely. But there's a bunch of other CG characters in there. There's the battle droids, but one of the big ones is Watto, which I think from a
1: technical standpoint is probably one of the more impressive characters. Yes, yeah, and, and just like Ahmed Best with Jar Jar, uh, Andrew Sokom was there. Oh, okay. On set doing the voice, so the actors could interact with them.
0: Oh, that makes. I mean, that makes sense. Even the guy who who for C three PO was there. Like that's just that's the way we did things until like mid two thousands.
1: Yeah, but you're seeing it more and more now with, with all of these Marvel films. You know, the the people who are completely CGI are still there, still acting with all kinds of, you know, funny spots marked on them or, uh, you know, some some uh, extensions to keep the oh, eye line, some fun stuff like that.
0: I think they've realized that CGI is a tool in the toolbox. It's not every tool in the toolbox. Uh, some studios haven't learned that, but many have because I just saw a featurette on Spider-Man 2. The Sam with Raimi, the third
1: Spider-Man two, no, the, the the first Spider-Man this, two,
0: yeah, with Doctor Oct, yeah, and I did not realize just how much care, attention, and puppeteering went into his forearms.
1: Oh yeah, there's some really great stuff on the. I mean, I think I read, watched the bonus features on the VHS copy. Oh, and, but, yeah. and just just seeing these actors who
0: are in like black blackout suits mm-hmm. holding the arms and on a green screen working them <laughs> just remind me of just how much artistry is to that puppetry that makes those things feel alive and they named them and they quote unquote each arm had a personality they had chosen different like emotes for it and i go like back to like something like this all starts in earnest in episode one and i look at waddo and i go i like i just said with his pot belly he's flapped over like yeah. you knew visually the second you saw him what he was
1: yeah You know, Episode one has a lot of interesting things in it. It has some of my favorite set design and production design from all of Star Wars. But, you know, a lot of people forget whether it's because of their feelings about Episode one, or, you know, whatever it is they like or don't like about it, how much of a pioneer George and ILM were with that film, with what they did with CGI characters. Um, I saw something the other day uh, on uh, Twitter that uh, basically was saying, uh i don't have a reference here for it unfortunately that there was more model and practical work in episode one than there was in the entire original trilogy combined
0: oh yeah so one of the great experiences i had is i went to um celebration um well this this podcast is not meant to be given out unless we give like patreon sponsors so i'll time stamp it here just so people understand where i'm coming from we're in the middle of 2019 and earlier in 2019 i went to Celebration 2019. And um, there's some really great panels because it's the 20th anniversary of Phantom Menace right now. Mm-hmm. And so we saw things like uh, they were giving the example of the scale models that they had, such as um, like the Moss Espa Bunta Eve arena. And how it was all these Q-tips that were like on a string and they would blow a fan underneath <laughs> them so they would wave. Um, yeah.
1: I, you know, I actually just saw some of those Q-tips at Rancho Obi-Wan. <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. And it's fantastic. To yeah, see them in person.
0: And, and that's... I mean, that's the whole thing was... I think you saw with early movies that really pioneered CGI and where it belongs, like The Matrix and this, you saw they didn't trust them. They didn't trust that the CGI would work. So they often would back it up with a practical or they would do a practical
1: that they would only hope to plus with the CGI. Yeah. You see a lot of that in the Making Episode 1 documentary that came uh with the bonus features there's a there's an art book for it and all that kind of stuff as well uh but how much they were unsure of what they were trying because they were doing it all for the first time
0: yeah i don't think i think watto is one of the ones i think watto and Jar, Jar and the battle droids i think are some of the ones that they they knew they couldn't accomplish in any other way so i don't know how much like um puppetry was involved
1: yeah they probably had, like you said, something for the eye line, but it might have just been hat, like how Ahmed Best wore. Yeah, I think. Well, he did have a full suit he was wearing for a lot of it, and then they just enhanced it with the CGI. There right. are some shots that are completely CGI, but because I
0: remember um, uh, we had uh, the one panel was about like model making and ILM's role in uh, Episode One. Yeah. And uh, one of the folks that was there was uh, Gene Bolt. Jean Bolt did a lot of physical work for ILM for a long time, um, uh, somewhat puppetry building but a lot of um, textures and creature designs and, and and making these things real and she was talking about all the different samples. She, she said her favorite character is Watto and that's because of how much time she spent on it and I think also just how much she enjoyed working on him because They said, like, he's got bits of an elephant, he's got bits of a hummingbird, he's got bits of a hippo, he's got the webbed feet of, like, a duck. Like, and she said, like, her entire wall behind her desk was just coated in all of these different uh, texture references. Just these, you know, like, three inch by three inch squares of different creatures. And one thing I think people uh, may not know or, or, or just can't remember is in episode one every bit of the texture work was done by hand. There weren't any libraries for CGI to reference yet. So all of the work was them going to the zoo with early digital cameras or traditional cameras and scanning them in all these reference points. And because most of the digital photography didn't go into the computer super well, it was referencing that and then going into Photoshop or illustrator and creating that again. Uh, And it was just fascinating to hear her talk about the work.
1: That's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, Is that one of the shows that's archived anywhere? You know, Um,
0: they so the main. She talked about it a little bit in the main episode one twentieth celebration Mm -hmm. because her and a whole uh, a lot of the same people that were in the ILM the 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 behind the scenes part of the episode one twentieth anniversary were there. I don't know if uh, I think it was. I think it was just called ILM
1: i think it was ilm model makers because i think it was all the practical folks okay Um, wow that sounds fantastic unfortunately i was not able to be at celebration 2019 the last year i attended was orlando 2017 so i did not get to be a part of these episode one panels but uh i'm really glad i get to hear about them now i have not gotten a chance to go back and rewatch all of it yet everything that's up on the star wars youtube channel
0: well i gotta be honest being in the episode uh, one panel and just hearing the cheers and roars for it yeah. was just so nice to it's hear
1: refreshing right to be in a room with people who are excited about star wars well, and people not... who
0: grew up in episode yeah. one and it wasn't about ruining their childhood because this is part of their childhood or people that have just it sat around with their mind long enough or in the case of some people they hate the last jedi so much that everything looks better now but like the whole point of the idea is just that uh, episode one, I think is finally getting its due, especially in the artistry because it will go down in film history. as one of the most important films for the media of film and what it
1: did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as soon as something hits that 20 year mark, people get all watery eyed, nostalgic about it. Right. I mean, I was nine when the Phantom Menace came out and loved every second of it. So Um, I don't have any ill will towards it then, nor do I now. It's, Depending on the day of the week, my favorite prequel. Some days it's my <laughs> least favorite prequel, you know, depending on what kind of mood I'm in. But episode one is a movie I love and Wada's a character I love. Yeah, and I I was a little bit older than that. Not by a
0: whole lot, but I was I was still a kid. Um but I episode one hit it a really good time where I was a kid enough to uh, like not have a problem with Georgia Banks or all the silliness of that. Um, but I was also old enough to recognize when people said, George R. sucks. I go, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, he, I could see how he sucks. Like, um, so it was <laughs> right, a good, a little bit of peer pressure,
1: a little bit of truth behind it. I
0: don't think I ever was a Jar Jar hater, but it was one of those things of, like, I was never a Jar Jar defender either, because I could see why sure. someone would be annoyed by that.
1: You know, even as a, uh, let's see, I would have actually been, uh, almost not, I would have been eight years old when I first saw The Phantom Menace. And even then, Jar Jar wasn't my favorite I liked a lot of the other characters more. I liked the battle droids a lot more. I liked a lot of the other alien characters more. Sure. Uh, you know, Watto was a character I thought yeah, was much more interesting. Uh, to me, even as a eight-year-old seeing episode one in a mm-hmm. uh, f- uh, theater in Orlando, Florida. Uh, and, you know, even today, Jar Jar is still someone that I, I enjoy watching and I like. But I enjoy watching so, Watto so much more. And like I said, I
0: think looking at it and just having watched it a couple times this year, uh, Watto, I think,
1: is a much more impressive effect. And I think he holds up really, really well. The way he hovers and floats, mm-hmm. and of course the sound effects that go with yeah. him, that yeah. sound effect, you know, that his wings flapping is an umbrella opening and closing. Oh, and, and just Bird really quick. Just flop, out and flop, 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 yeah. Flop, yeah. Well, I'm sure they didn't even record it really quick. They just spread it, you know, sped it up. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting effect because I don't think of that when I hear it, but now I'm sure the next time I go back and listen to it, <laughs> that's all I'll be able to hear. Well, well, Ben Burt's a genius, so it's not surprising that, I mean... Yeah, he does, has done a few things with Star Wars. <clears throat>
0: no. Alright, so uh, this is the second half. Um, hey, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we learned a little bit about data storage management, um, which is ironic considering our jobs we don't talk about involve that quite a bit. Uh, but the point is, uh, now we get got a fresh SD card and we can continue going. I'm ready. Yeah, no, this is why we do trial runs, right?
1: That's right. We're here to test the waters, stick our waddo trunk into the pool, and see where this leads. Right. So the thing... What would I you call that a Watto trunk. I mean, would you call ex- it Watto's I, I, trunk? I would call it a
0: snout. A sn-
1: snout, snout, seems I don't, right. I don't
0: see him dipping that in the water and like drinking through it or using it as like a way to like breathe above water yeah. or anything. We never so. see
1: Watto consume any food or beverage, do we? We see him swatted flies.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think we ever we see him see, eat.
1: Yeah, we see him use his hands. I don't think in canon we've ever seen a Tordarian eat, period. Okay, okay. So he could eat through his nose, he could be like an anteater. He sucking could be, up, yeah, the, yes, The, the what, majestic flying what, aardvark. What's small enough on Tatooine that you could eat with your snout? Oh, there's definitely bugs. I mean, yeah. I saw them oh, around lots the. Poo- of flies. I, I
0: heard them around the pudu. Yeah, around um, the pudu. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, okay. But I, I, well, let's just
1: remember. I don't
0: think this is his natural habitat. As we established, like he's. That's
1: right. There may be all kinds of space ants on Toydaria. Yeah, to, just his look it
0: makes me think that Toydaria is a much more humid place, a much more wet place to hang out.
1: Yeah, okay. I could I could roll with that. Yeah. I could roll with that. Yeah, I mean, again, not so, that
0: Clone Wars really gives us a good idea. Just like these weird mushroomy boy, formations. You know, if
1: anyone from Delray ever hears this, I need this Watto prequel novel. I need to know. Where's the Watto story? Yeah, I need Star Wars, a Watto story coming to Disney+. Well, if
0: Delray's listening to us, just, okay, why do I not have, from a certain point of view, for
1: all nine movies? Yeah, can we make that happen? I mean, for real, that is That's been maybe the most my favorite thing. Star Wars thing ever. So let's make it happen again. For we're in the, the middle best of best Star Wars movie, Episode One, The Phantom Menace.
0: Yeah, I was to say we're in the middle of 2019 right now, and if I haven't haven't mentioned that it, it's the 20th anniversary of Episode One, I want that certain point of view. Like... Well,
1: it's also the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back this year. Oh God! So yeah. I was pretty positive we were gonna have it—the direct sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's the big thing: it is still early. If my memory serves, Star Wars, from a certain point of view, came out, I want to say, October 4th, 2018. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was about that late in the year. Now, that is literally off the top of my head, so don't quote me on that. But, having said that... No, I'm sorry, 2017, not 2018. The sure. year, it's 40 years after Star Wars came out, mm-hmm. that's when, <laughs> in October, I'm pretty sure. Basically, it came out at the end of the year. Right. So, if whatever the next one is could be called would come out maybe it would be end of the year maybe we just haven't heard about it yet i hope so i mean i don't think we're gonna get the episode one
0: one this year but i think you're right empire would be good but i want to know more about what story because like one of the things i can yeah. think of like i would love to see is he is in a really be- yeah. bad dejected spot at the very yeah. end and then we just see him destitute and somewhat senile right, right. and i'm like there's a story there, and I don't think it's one-to-one. I don't think in seven years,
1: he just, Ten. it was a
0: seven-year collapse.
1: Ten. Ten. Ten? years. Ten years between Phantom Menace and Attack Isn't of it? the Clones. Yeah.
0: I thought he was like nine, well, I guess that makes sense, because he's, so that makes him what, 19 in episode two?
1: Who, Anakin? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. I believe he's nine. Yeah, that 19, makes sense. 19, and then 22? Yeah. Does that sound right? That sounds right. Three years? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's so so like two and a half, I think, between Revenge, or uh clones and Revenge It's it's, it's just shy of three years, because the whole yeah. Clone Wars is only three years long. Yeah. Which the, is why the when general you start adding idea up the Clone is that Wars- Anakin is about the same way age in Revenge of the Sith that Luke was in Return of the Jedi. Right. Luke was nineteen at the beginning of New Hope, because it had been nineteen years since the past. So when we meet Anakin, he's the same age as Luke was. When we met him, and when I say when we meet Anakin, I mean when we meet Hayden Christensen.
0: We we yeah. we get there. Yeah,
1: yeah no, and <laughs> and and
0: okay. So it's been about ten years. So in ten years, he's lost his junk shop.
1: Yeah. He's gotten a hat.
0: Yeah, which I still think is is something that's just to help keep well, the government on, on. Out of his head. We're, ju-
1: we're jumping ahead to Episode Two, Watto. But I think we still need to talk a little bit more about Episode One. Oh, Watto. we can. Okay, I was. I'm just saying, like. I, from a certain point of view, I would yeah.
0: love to know the Watto story immediately after episode one. So
1: you just want... So we're not talking about The Phantom Menace from, say, 30 different character perspectives. We're, we're talking about here, you just want a Watto novel. No, well, you, okay, yeah. Because okay, I mean, don't okay. get wrong, I do I'm too. not going to lie.
0: If we had Watto from his days as a soldier, as you mentioned, all the way to him starting his junk shop... cut. You know, throating his way yeah. in into the Hutt's good Graces, yeah, getting sure. a successful place, sure. Having the only place on the entire uh you know, planet that has a J-type Nubian equivalent hard yeah. drive. Uh, you know, being a hyperdrive. Hyper drive. Hyper drive, yeah. yeah. Hyper drive. J-type
1: Nubian hard drive. Oh, uh, what they have? They have those on side. I bet Scarif, those are faster. They're very chrome. They're very yeah. expensive.
0: <laughs> um <laughs> but just the fact that like he got he's he's a very at least it seems in Mos Espa's land, it seems like he's a fairly powerful person. I mean, he's running a pod race for what seems like his own fun. It doesn't seem like he needs to be doing that. It's just gambling's part of the culture, and he's a player in
1: that culture. Yeah, absolutely. So we here's what we know about Watto leading up to, he, shall we call it his prime years, having <laughs> two slaves, one of whom is presumably the most gifted Jedi of all time. Uh, the Chosen One, right? How does Watto get from being this successful person with a junk shop in the middle of Moss Espa to where you see him in Attack of the Clones? That's basically what you want to know, right? Right. You want that story. And
0: I was saying that like, at the end of episode one... Okay, so he goes through the whole thing, he deals with the Jedi, the Jedi cheat, bold-faced on that chance cube, um, and basically set him up to be completely ruined by getting him to go to all these bets he shouldn't take... Uh, he puts the pod up, he puts the slave up, he yeah. loses both, partially because of cheating with the chance cube. The other part is because Jedi magic is, of course you can win a pod race if you do that. Especially yeah. if Sebulba crashes halfway through. He's toast. He's ruined. He's all. He's so bad for him, he's like, I'm not going to give you that money. And then Qui-Gon Jinn's like, well, what if we ask the Hunts
1: about this? And dejectedly he gives in. Fine. Take them. I can't do a good Watto impersonation. I'm going try Take them. Yeah. Um, so. No idea if that's a good Watto. Uh, it's probably not because I don't think either of us can do a good Watto without it sounding terrible. But hey, we'll work on it. I'll come back to you with that next time. Okay. Okay. So when it comes to Watto then, mm-hmm. what I want is I want the equivalent of the Phasma novel. Now, I don't think you've read that. Oh, did? oh, you did read that that's one. That's my wow. favorite character It's really hard to new keep canon. track of how much Mac reads and doesn't read when it comes to New Canon. No, no, it's only
0: hard for you, because you're like, as a reader of every single book in <laughs> New Canon,
1: it's hard to remember what you other folks, which ones you actually care to read. I read them all. Well... I have to stay up to date. That's how I maintain my Watto-Nut level knowledge.
0: Well, I, lo- I, I love Phasma. Phasma is a character that's criminally underused in those movies. Who I, just, I saw her design, and then I found out she's a lady stormtrooper, and
1: she's got a cape. I was in. You know, one of the things I'm working on right now is uh, analyzing different amounts of screen time when it comes to Star Wars characters. Yeah. And I'm really interested to see uh, when I compare uh, who was on screen more, Boba Fett or Phasma, and which one of them is more useless and pointless? Well, I can tell you one thing: that Phasma definitely has less screen time than Watto does. <laughs> well, that's because Watto is a very important character in the Star Wars universe. So not only does Watto buy the Chosen One and his mother from what was it, Gorilla the Hut, Gargilla the Hut, Gorrentula the Hutt? I don't remember. I Hold on, I do know this. Oh off no, end. don't bring fact. We- oh, was right. This is Episode Gardoola Zero. The Hutt. It's episode zero. You're already bringing fact-checking into this. I know. Well, I want to make sure that I am accurate because you
0: know... No fake news on this podcast. Only two guys who don't remember stuff very well.
1: Yeah. And I came here today totally sober. Normally, I won't be. So, (laughs) my fact-checking will only get better. Getting some podcasting fluids. I got you. Yeah, exactly. Keep things lubricated. Exactly. That's right. You got to roll. You got to roll. Okay, so (laughs) here we have... Watto buying these slaves, including our chosen one from Gardula the Hutt. Right. Obviously, Gardula did not know what they had. Or didn't
0: care. I could see Hutch just or, being or, I mean, enough. yeah, they probably didn't even know
1: about you them. You seem right? to have your eye league, on them. Yeah. Uh, they
0: cost you this much. Go, uh, you want, oh, you're going to buy them? Cool. I was going to
1: throw them away anyway. Mm-hmm. Cool. You take them. Perfect. So now we have Shmi and Anakin who are not living in squalor under Watto. I mean, they have a house. Anakin oh, does my. have his own room, so we talked about what makes Watto bad, what the townspeople think of him. But right. Watto did provide a home. They were not forced into some sort of camp. They were not living well, in the shop. Not that I really want to dive into this
0: topic too far, but I think we're very much talking about like uh, American pre-Civil War style <laughs> slavery. We are not talking about like Egyptian style like. Cr- all slavery is bad, but I'm just saying there's a certain expectation socially that you, you give them a life outside of their duties.
1: Yeah, they got to go home, right? Clean the switches and then you can go home for the day. Well,
0: and, and, and Anakin got uh, was allowed to work on parts and he built the the pod racer. He yeah. built C-3PO and yeah. and Watto took advantage of the fact he had done that. But it, it's it's not a thing where anyone feels that like he's not allowed, right?
1: He's allowed to go do his own stuff. Just as long as he well, does his job. To, to a certain extent, right? He's not allowed to do anything that's dangerous without Wada's permission. Like I guess the point is... He enter in the boat to Eve unless Wada says it's okay and backs him. And I think it's just so we don't make slavery
0: just completely dark like mm-hmm, it is in real mm-hmm. life. I think they went with a very... They're indentured servants. Sure. They're contractually obligated to do their work for no pay yeah. and not leave the system. Yes. And again, when you think that that's probably the structure... Wado's probably just average and normal. He's probably just, just like,
1: you know, here's a few credits you go buy place in the Warrens. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wado... When you're not on my time, I don't care what you do. <laughs> Wado gets the work done he needs to get done. And then they're off at home. You know, we never see Shmi in the shop.
0: I I kind of got the
1: idea that Shmi, if anything's, maybe more of a domestic servant. Takes care of Wado's house, cooks him meals or something like that. I could see that. She, she's at Wado's. I mean, Wado, I think, lives above his shop, though. Uh, Well, that's a fascinating question, isn't it? You know what? Where does
0: Watto call home? We'll we know it's to... the
1: streets in episode two, but... Mac, that is a good question for another time.
0: Well, that's why we need to have that yeah. book. That's We're why gonna... We need, we, we need so... the Watto
1: trilogy. I think it's a trilogy now. Oh, well, and, and I think the that gets... Is... We don't do too many duologies anymore in Star Wars novels. A Watto duology. No, no, I no, no. We no. We're going back to Watto having his
0: one name. We need Watto the Younger and Watto the Elder. And I just want to hear the two phases. Then we phases. get to Watto the Lesser. It, like, it's everything that happens to Watto up to episode one, and then it's everything from episode one to to his his state funeral. I'm know. about that.
1: Okay. I'm about that. All right, Del Rey. I'll write that book for you if you need
0: So I think we've just established that just Watto is an un, untapped market, that there's a lot of Watto stories left in the yeah. galaxy.
1: There, I mean, he's a character in the first two Star Wars movies. He's a big deal. He okay, is. and not only... Okay. Not only... <laughs> Does he bring our Chosen One and his mother to where gwygon and Padme and eventually Obi-Wan meet him? Mm-hmm. But he is then, outside of the influence of the Jedi, the Force works in mysterious ways, he sells Shmi to the Lars family, to Klieg Lars, who is a perfectly nice guy, marries her, uh, presumably had two legs when they met, right? And yeah. so... <laughs> she <laughs> finds herself in a great family a great environment you presume she's happy there on the moisture farm i mean she's free she's married she's got a step kid yep right Yep. they're all happy the only thing that stinks is she heads out to the field she gets kidnapped by tuscan raiders but up until that point well life's tough Watto, on frontier basically what i'm saying is the force is working through wado wado is a conduit on this planet that is so powerful in the force that everything is just drawn to it. So I think every time we talk you, about the Skywalker story, without Watto, it doesn't happen. I I, I I agree with you, but I feel that one thing about Watto is Watto is more like,
0: you know, when you get a paper straw from the fast food and has that paper thing. Sure. But then when you're in the fast food, it just comes from a dispension. You go, why do we need the extra paper on this? It's because the rapper helps protect what's inside. And I feel that's what Watto is. The w- Force uses him to
1: protect Anakin to get where his destiny is. And then he's just thrown away. He is. And do you know the last mention of Watto in canon? No. This is something that I had read, but it wasn't in my mind until I was doing my research for today. Okay. The last mention of Watto in canon comes from a certain point of view. Oh. In the uh, Time of Death story which features Obi-Wan's death at the hands of Vader, or due to the hands of Vader, depending on how you want to look at it. When he becomes one with the Force. When he becomes one with the Force, Uh, yep. Obi-Wan is basically having a moment in the Force, where he's seeing his residence on Tatooine. He's noticing there are some differences, like his mattress isn't there. Basically, he's realizing it's like he was when he first moves in. And then he mentions that he buys a humidifier from Watto. At oh. an extremely inflated price. Now I don't know if Obi Wan went to Mos Espa because I assume that's kind of far away from where Obi Wan was living in what they called the Badlands. It has a name. Yeah, yeah. Or at least it did in the '90s. Maybe it doesn't in New Canon anymore. No, but... I think it, I think it is. I think it's
0: like northwest of where Mos Eisley is, and uh, Anchorhead I think is just slightly to the east from. Okay. Again, you're right. I know the map from the legendary times. I yeah. don't know what it would look like now. But the whole point well, is we're find there, out. There, there's an annoying thing
1: between there and there. Yeah. So the last mention we have of Watto is that he's selling humidifiers at uh, inflated prices. So, wait, does that mean after
0: episode two, perhaps. You know, seeing Anakin reminds him of like, I used to be somebody. And he just puts it all <laughs> back together. He, he, yeah. he, he sobers up. He goes out. He just says like, well, I've got these few trinkets. I got my hat. What if I could push my... He's like that story mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Japanese mythology. He starts mm-hmm. with that metal hat mm-hmm. and trades that for something, which trades that for something, which trades that for something. And eventually he's back on top selling selling uh, humidifiers that are overpriced and have a label on them that says it just works.
1: I want to believe I want to believe that Watto sailed off into the sunset, floated off into the sunset, flapped off into the sunset, and was happy. That the, the Force finally guided him. Like, the Imperial yeah. times were good for business. After everything that happened to Watto, the Force basically tearing him from his home, bringing in the Tatooine. Oh, my God. Could you just imagine
0: those special modifications that Han makes? Maybe he bought some of those from Watto's
1: shop. Oh my. He could have Watto could still be alive in the time of the OT. We need the book. We need the. We trilogy. need the book. We do. You do. All right. All right. I, I think that's I it. We've I think. This.
0: I think. Other than running our own fanfishing Watto. I think we've said what we want to say about Watto.
1: Yeah, I, you know, Watto. Uh, Watto is an amazing character. Watto is a character that I know a lot of people uh, have some feelings about, but I love Watto. I love. I Star think he's Wars. totally
0: inoffensive. I can understand and, why people don't like him, yeah. but I think he's he's. He's a fun character to have in
1: Star Wars. He is, he is. And, you know, it really, it's nice to have some variety. It's nice to not have all human characters. It's nice to have some, some you could call them tropes from other films or stories that we're familiar with, with this character of Watto. But at the end of the day, I like that we got some of these really different CGI characters. Yeah. Um, I like that we have some aliens that weren't subtitled. You know, in the original trilogy, right. a lot more of our aliens were subtitled. Even when we get to Return of the Jedi, Nine Nub is still a subtitled alien. I don't think today that would be the case. And Correct. with Watto uh, and with Jar Jar, it, you know, it's nice to see some English or some basic-speaking aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Watto fan. I'm I, a I Watto would say, I, I,
0: again... I would say that I like Wato, and yes, I—I I, weird. I feel this is going to be a common theme in the show. of Like, and yes, I'd like to know more about that. I'd like more canon answers to a yeah. lot of this stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: especially because new canon blanks the slate on a lot of stuff. Though I was kind of surprised; I didn't find a whole lot of extra legend. Con- There's some stuff in the comic books and stuff, but it's nothing. He's, nothing. He's, groundbreaking he's still a Watto. relatively
1: yeah. unexplored character. He didn't really go and make anything more of himself in the galaxy. He as far as we know, Watto went to Tatooine, found his trade, you know, he came home from the war, he suffered an injury, he found what he liked doing, which was basically selling junk and owning slaves and he did an okay job at it. And here we are. All right. Well, I think that's I think that's enough
0: said about Watto uh for now until till new canon
1: resources are available to us to explore him deeper. But uh well Not if it I've... doesn't happen this year it will happen for the 40th anniversary so 20 years from now 40th anniversary of the phantom menace del rey that's what we find out get cracking that that water's junk shop is now
0: a franchise you can get your own with a small down payment uh, available in systems
1: across the galaxy we feature overinflated prices for all of our owners it's great the water mentality is there, there's got to be a, a book out there in some business school, the Watto School of Thought. <laughs> Those four principles you yeah, just mentioned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's called Crony Capitalism. I think that's... Uh, <laughs> um, it's adapted, I see.
0: And on that disappointing note, we'll leave Watto uh, and head on to Watto. another topic.
1: All right, welcome back, scoundrels. It is time for another episode of Star Wars All In, and today... We are talking about the most reflective ship in the galaxy, <laughs> Queen Amidala's royal spaceship. Now, Mac, as the resident weapons ship and planet expert here on Star Wars All In, could you tell me <laughs> a little bit more about that shiny butte? I was going to say yes, as the 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 kid who enjoyed the things a lot more than the
0: people. Uh, I uh, so this is a J type modified. Three, oh, I have it written down. 327, I think it is. So um, this is a uh, modified J-type Nubian space cruiser, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is built like all ships by mm-hmm. the artisans of the uh, Naboo. Uh, so one thing I really like about Naboo is all of their ships, their entire culture is artisans. Like, yes. Everyone on that planet, everyone who has ever been on Naboo is not just doing their job their job is a long tradition livelihood cultural artist thing they appreciate
1: beauty they appreciate beauty on naboo they like creating but in a natural way where they can you know they're big fans of art they're big fans of making sure their lives have purpose right and so the thing with
0: this was um and it was a j-type 327 modified
1: j-type 327
0: modified because uh, we're going to talk about a fun sure. part of canon it's, sure. it's definitely modified there's a few special modifications that Ooh. they might have made themselves rickolay
1: make those modifications
0: uh rickolay the greatest pilot in all of episode one yes because spinning is a cool trick but that doesn't count yeah you were just pod racing in space yeah
1: yeah i i think it rick, rick, Alley, the, rick takes it Captain rick Obvious got them himself. through the
0: blockade i mean rick and r2 Okay, so we just need to establish we do have a lot of ironic loves in the world. Ricolet is one of mine. And Mac I, does love
1: Ricolet. I, I mean, I'm a fan of Ricolet, too. Don't get me wrong. That yellow jacket, fart. that helmet, that receding hairline that just screams pilot. I love it.
0: Yeah, well, the thing I like about him is he's hes so multi-talented. He's actually certified for the N1
1: Starfighters. But, hey, when the need comes upon him, he can fly that other thing, too. <sighs> he's ready. He was ready at the call. He took the call to Adventure.
0: So the thing I was gonna say is it's it's so it was originally manufactured by the Theed Palace Space Vessel Engineering Corps.
1: Where where is that information coming from? The uh episode so that's, one cross section?
0: So originally that is yeah. coming from um basically
1: redo's of the uh, visual dictionaries. That makes sense, the episode one visual dictionary and everything that's come after that.
0: Yeah, because the thing that gets weird years. about this stuff is the way I like to think about it is everything's legendary until it's not. Um, sure. So we have this thing of like, do my old essential guides to Starships still count? And the answer is 98% of the time yes, because unless he wants
1: to change it in the visual dictionary himself, Pablo Hidalgo just usually goes with whatever's there. Yeah, you know, I think as long as it is a tie into a movie release, and it was an official release licensed by Lucasfilm, For a Star Wars movie, like a reference book, like a character book. For example, all of the character stuff that is referenced, say, in the Essential Character Guide. Say that that version came out in 2002, maybe, right? Right. All of the canon characters that we have from a movie, all of that information is still perfectly good and usable. Mm -hmm. But the Jason Solo page, not so much. So I think when we're referencing something that exists in canon and didn't get removed from it, unless it's been replaced in another novel or book, I think a reference book is a perfectly yeah, fine, and I, and at least for us to assume it's canonical. And for the nerdy stuff I know,
0: that's where I got this, is the Essential Guides to Weapons, the yes. old Star Wars Encyclopedia, yes. the rest of the Essential Guides. Um, one of my favorite books when I was growing up was the, um, it was essentially Blueprints, It was the technical manuals. yes, yes. Um. And again, some of that stuff has changed because as we've gone to CG, one thing that's really helped with CG is they know how big this stuff should be. So, like, one of the things that's interesting is the Naboo Royal spacecraft is 76 meters long. Okay. And we know that unlike, like, a Star Destroyer, which has gone the size of, like, five football fields to the size of Manhattan Island.
1: Yeah, it takes a city.
0: Yeah, we we have no idea how long it should be because it was a model and we didn't build it to any particular scale. The sixteen foot some model that they used for most of the shots establishing the Naboo royal spacecraft that was built to an idealized scale. So this thing is seventy six meters long, which is was kind of new. We we talked um mm-hmm. uh, before about the fact that like model making was a huge thing to Episode One. And I loved, um, I was at Celebration 2019 and and Doug Chang and some of the other model makers were there talking about that. And the one story that came up was that was the most dangerous thing on episode one set was that life-size model. The model. The the big one. Of the Royal Starship. Yeah. So the main big Royal Starship that they used was used on sand um, stuff for when you see like, basically when they're escaping from Darth Maul and when Mm -hmm. they're originally landing. Okay. Most of the other shots were either smaller scare models that fit into like the feeds, feed models. Sure. sure Or there's a couple ones, but there was a giant one that was the one that was the most reflective. It was the one that was picking up the sky, the sand, all of that stuff. Um, And they needed to make that for real because even today, those kinds of reflections, you're not going to be able to really do convincingly in CG, Um, especially with how chrome it is. Uh, we both listened to a podcast that features one of the designers who had to go and digitally clean that up like a lot um, and, and has like post-traumatic stress disorder. But the reason this ship was the most dangerous is so the whole shape of it is very Arrowhead shape. It's, yeah. it, it's basically built off of the SR-71 Blackbird. Um, it's got a real big sharp front point and then it's got these two engines on either side. But the back of the engines have these spires coming straight off of them that just taper down to nothing. In the real model, those were milled aluminum and they tapered down to nothing. So they were sharp? They were mind-bogglingly sharp because they were milled by machinery down to the point and they said we had to basically kind of like highlight and cover that thing when it was on set because literally you could walk yourself through it before you
1: noticed it stabbed you there's some hazard pay coming in there <laughs> right wow. that this is the first time I'm ever hearing that well, story and the thing is it's all chromed yeah
0: so they can't cover it up too much or they have to polish the chrome again so they said that like the the, the nine days or so they were doing shooting on that it was
1: the most dangerous prop on the set yeah. so they so here's what i would think you would do you would just take a on a piece of styrofoam, like a block of styrofoam that you'd make, like a third-grade science solar system model out of, paint it green and stick it on the end there.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, just go get something like you know, like a like a tennis ball or something, just plunk at the end, like yeah, they do with walkers. Exactly, exactly, because <laughs> walkers are very
1: sharp on the bottom. I'm not sure if you knew. I, I, I think dangerous. the
0: whole problem is, I think it's one of those things. If you ball that in your hand and you put it on the end, it would go through the tennis ball and through your hand. Oh, because this thing was apparently like the the way the way it was delivered to me was a yeah you could walk through before you know you know she got hurt i'm like the way you're saying that sounds like someone did that and that's why you have that anecdote that is
1: terrifying
0: oh yeah that is because yeah, it's just this perfect spike yeah. um so i think that's really cool we were talking about model making and and just how like again the most reflective ship in star wars I assume that there's probably a model for uh, the Senatorship that's in episode mm-hmm. two. The, mm-hmm. the the very flying wing inspired um, yeah. Critter. But I, I can't imagine they suffered that again. <laughs> I'm sure there's a little more CGI. Like, ah, there's fog around it. So the reflections are gray. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then before you get a good look at it, we blow it up. Calm down. It's fine. Um, but I think it's really cool because I think that... Ship and maybe the N1 Starfighter are the things that are most emblematic of This
1: Ain't Your Dad's Star Wars. Yeah, it was something new. It was something we hadn't seen before. And that's exciting. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. You know, we were so used to a universe that looked dirty and And grimy. I mean, the Rebel Alliance was an organization that hobbled things together from scraps. They made fly what they could, and they didn't have anything nearly that fancy-looking Even when you get to Return of the Jedi, and they have uh, ships from different fleets, different forces all coming together as part of the Rebellion. Even when you look at what the Empire had, what they had was impressive, but it was sparse. It was simple. It was Imperial in its design. It wasn't art. And that's what makes Naboo and Theed and Queen Amidala and Ricolet and everything else that comes with that such a unique thing. And that is one of the reasons, if not the primary reason besides pod raising, why I love episode one so much. Right. And,
0: and Doug Chang uh, at the panels was talking about that George Lucas is one of his, his biggest inspiration and and people don't give George Lucas a credit that, yeah, he's not a traditional artist, but he has a really good eye for art. He knew what, like if we looked at all the Ralph McQuarrie art now, we would just go like, put it all in. It's all great um but George knew what was belonged in his head and what didn't belong in his head and his one of his main things he talked about for episode 1 is he wanted it to look like the 30s it was very art nouveau everything was curved everything was swooped it's like it's before we knew what air tunnel we were doing aerodynamics before we'd actually set up wind tunnels to figure that out like so we just went with swept designs and you can see that through everything and one of the nice things about the royal starship is the the extra layer of having that chrome, which is, again, also very of that era, it just makes that thing look like it's just liquid. Like, that thing is so insanely graceful and so, um, you feel like it doesn't have to, to power itself
1: through the air. It just gets a little push and it just glides wherever yeah, it goes. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks quiet. It looks serene yeah. when it flies. It's like, two or three degrees of separation away from being Wonder Woman's invisible jet. Right, right, yeah, like, yeah, yeah no, I that see It's clean. I know what you mean, I know what you mean. And my favorite thing about it is, that was the moment I think
0: every Star Wars fan could look at that and go, oh man, the Millennium Falcon is a piece of junk.
1: You didn't know what they meant until you saw what wasn't a piece of junk.
0: Yeah, because you're looking at all the, like you said, the entire Rebel fleet and flotilla is all a mismatched patched work they've got all these like oh i got this brown rusted panel but it's still good we kept it on there uh the mon calamari literally build their ships somewhat random so it's just that way and the imperials are just gray gray blue triangles everywhere so like when we got to to these like oh that ship's beautiful that's your cadillac
1: that's a beautiful car you know what i love about Naboo, and uh they reference this in uh queen shadow Mm. the padme book that takes place about four years after episode one When she's ending her term as queen. And starting to explore the idea of becoming a senator. Padme, I believe it is in that novel. It might be one of the handmaids. It might have been Sabe. But talks about people from Naboo build things with a purpose. They build them with both function and design in mind. They're essentially the the apple of a galaxy far, far away to a certain extent. They want things to be clean. But they also want them to be usable.
0: I think the thing you see with Naboo's designs is there's... They're bespoke. Like, yes, they're made with universal parts under the hood. But, like, the idea is that everything that's there, a group of people decided why it was there. Like you said, there's, there's a certain level of just... Nothing's just like well that's the seat the ship came with like no no we we chose this one like you said it's 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 like old Apple with Steve Jobs going like well what what gave you the idea for this casing my speakers look like that and I like those so make them look
1: like that <laughs> the leather on the seat on my private jet right jet yeah put yeah, that in there that, that looks good yeah Naboo seems to be very in touch with natural materials mm-hmm. they seem to be variant I mean Padme you know loves the countryside. That's where she goes to relax and to clear her mind. Uh, It's not like Coruscant. It's not cold. It's not metal. Uh, It's not uh, crowded with people. They appreciate the natural element of life a good bit on Naboo. Right. But they also understand that technology is important.
0: Yeah, and and I think you see that in, in everything that they do. And I think yes. the Naboo Starfighter is a beautiful ship, but it, it at least has some practicality to it. You can kind of see the bits that you need that formed an X-wing on like where the proton torpedo comes out, where the lasers are. But the thing about the Royal Spaceship is you can just tell like you don't need to be told. Oh, it doesn't have weapons. Of course it does. It's too beautiful to waste space with those. <laughs> Though it does have one fail flaw. They have flaw. a
1: shield. What do they need? What else do they need? They have a shield. They can get through a blockade with a shield and a couple R2 units. And They're if fine.
0: anything breaks, yeah, you just send the astromechs up through the chute and they yeah. fix it.
1: Yeah, or they die.
0: Or they die. Can I also just say that R2-D2 goes up on top of there and he, like, he plugs the one cord in, which is apparently all you need to get the deflector shield back up. Um, I don't know why Red couldn't figure that out. But the point is, that's an exposed panel. We assume it's exposed because it was damaged. But somewhere along the road, they must have sent R2 back up to patch that thing because it's clean and finished by the time they land on Tatooine.
1: Well, just because R2 did a great job fixing the shield and getting them out alive, that doesn't mean they didn't have time to kill on Tatooine.
0: Here's what I'm trying to get to. We know Naboo makes the best chrome in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying, when we saw in episode 3 how shiny C-3PO could be... Somewhere inside R2-D2 is that finishing technique, because he used it in Episode 1 off-screen. He could have buffed and cleaned up C-3PO anytime he wanted. But he
1: didn't. Well, no, he didn't, because he's a jerk. Well... He's a lovable jerk. R2 is practical. That's how I look at him. R2 has a great sense of humor, but at the end of the day, he does what he's needs to be he done. He's just a mechanic. And he doesn't like to do much else. He is He's a mechanic. R2-Droids are mechanics. They're superhero. not spa... They don't work in a spa. They don't, uh, you know, they don't refinish, uh, they're not doing liposuction or plastic surgery. You know, they're not doing nips and tucks. They're there to, you know, fix things and make them look and work, not look good.
0: So, yeah. So what you're telling me is what I see it as he's a simple mechanic. And after the Naboo job and he's like, Oh, thank you, droid. I'm like, cool. I I mean, I'm doing my purpose. Wait, you're thanking me. I have this weird thing called an ego that's forming, and since he never gets a memory wipe, it just expands so you're to infinite levels.
1: R two has the world's largest chip on his shoulder. I think so. I think
0: he realized, like, I don't have to be just a mechanic. I can save the dang galaxy.
1: I can't wait till we talk about R two now. That's a good story for another that, time. That's gonna be. a Let's show, bring it back yeah. to this starship now, so, Mac. The last. Do you, yeah. Do you remember in 1999 the Naboo starship toy? I do not. That's okay. more your territory. So this thing was massive. It was retailed say, it at ninety nine ninety nine. Wow, really? And It was big. It came with exclusive Astromech droids, if I remember correctly. Okay. But just like the Power of the Force two Millennium Falcon did, and of course a lot of the ships that came before that, it opened up from the top, so you could play internally. So it was basically a playset combined with a ship.
0: Okay, so um, yeah, so like, did you have like the the Queen's like? hearing room yeah, and I stuff.
1: Think, I think you had the, the the meeting room, yeah, the Queen's, kind of the Queen's chamber room. And then I think you had one other room, which was like the Astromech Bay, where okay. Padme and Anakin have their Japur snippet scene, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's I, cold I in think, space. I, it would have to be a while. I didn't lug that thing down here today. Uh, <laughs> that's something I have in storage. I don't quite have the room for it. It is big. But it is one of my favorite Star Wars toys. Oh. Uh, okay. it, the, it's gray plastic. It does not look nearly as reflective as it does in the film. Uh, it warps and bends a little bit over time and it does kind of look dirty, but it is so cool to have a ship that large that is not the Millennium Falcon. I was going to say, there can't be a whole lot on that list of like s-
0: somewhat in scale, yeah. like, um, medium sized ships.
1: I don't think there is in the toy world. I know I'm not a huge three and three quarter collector in modern day. Yeah. Uh, but really, other than reissues of the Falcon and different variations and versions of the at Yeah. I don't really think we've ever gotten many other toys that size. We got a lot of Starfighters.
0: Yeah, and got, and, and stuff that that scale like skiffs, yeah. speeder and bikes, like and snow speeders. Yeah, um, absolutely.
1: ATSTs, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff that gets over that $100 price point typically is either in a different line, like these days in the 6-inch line, right, or it is a Falcon, or something with some sort of electronic, like the Sphero BB-8, the uh, Rogue One, uh, I can't remember exactly what the acronym, what they called it, but... You know that version of the ATAT, the loader with the orange oh, box on the side. Uh, I
0: think it was ATCTs, so, all-terrain yeah. armor we'll, we'll, or we'll no, all-terrain cargo
1: transports. I think. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll figure that out and double-check that. That's something we didn't do, but uh, I feel pretty it, confident on that. Yeah, you feel pretty good about that. You, you remember Rogue One well? Uh, I remember the tech. <laughs> uh, definitely a story for another time. Definitely. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I just think that is well worth mentioning here because that ship is so cool. That design is so cool. And the fact they made it into a toy. We never got a toy of the at from The Last Jedi. We never got um, a lot of the more modern ships from the newer movies of that sure. size. And that is something that I would love to see one day.
0: And, and I'm just going to say one last thing that I thought was fascinating that is a journey that didn't really get completed until we saw Solo mm-hmm. was as a nerd for the tech, the the believability of the world of Star Wars. Seeing a hyperdrive and knowing what that looked like in a ship. Now, admittedly, it looked like a kind of weird face. It kind of reminded me, of like, hol- what would eventually be like holocron designs. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a be- even their hyperdrives beautiful, but it's like to know, like, oh, the hyperdrive's a thing. It's this giant, like, I don't know, it was probably like nine feet by three feet by like four feet
1: block. Yeah,
0: because yeah. we got all the conversation, because you know. It breaks. It's a T fourteen style Harper drive. It's for a Nubian J type, and they go to Watto and they, hey, like, do you have that? And he's like, not only do I have it, I'm the only one who has it.
1: How? Why were they so rare, and why did Watto have one? And more importantly, does it ever seem like Qui Gon Jinn's
0: like, well, I guess he's the only one. He wouldn't lie. He
1: was just very believing of Watto. He just walked right in, and especially after he learned mind tricks don't work on Watto. Listen, Which? Wygon, I think you should have done some comparison shopping. I, I realize you didn't have the internet. You know, you didn't have, uh, you know, references. Oh my God, but, could you
0: smag like Quick Craigslist would be like? Yeah. They're like Type 14 Hyperdrive. You take it, it's yours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Free pickup. Free pickup. Free pickup, yeah. I, I I really think Wygon must have known. You know, maybe that's just a cut scene. Maybe they came back. They, they checked. Six other Maybe places. that's a Jedi
0: power we haven't seen. Is Jedi can just like, like I'll use force appraisal. No, that's about all I can do.
1: <laughs> well, Jedi do tend to know when people are telling the truth. And so just because yeah, my tricks th- didn't work yeah, on Wado true. doesn't mean gwai didn't know he was being honest when he said, I'm the only one here who has this. No one else will have a, t- a T-14 hyperdrive generator. I guarantee you that.
0: I also think that you have Qui-Gon, who's the living force, who's like, I've shown up at this shop, out of all the other ones it could be. Uh, This guy says it's that. The force must be guiding me. Everything is according
1: to the will of the force. We know Watto is essentially an implementation of the force. Yes, we've established that in a previous segment. There's no reason to believe that Qui-Gon isn't as well. Yeah, so like I said, it was very cool because when we
0: saw Solo and again, the... Yes, the Millennium Falcon. Even the nice version in Solo is still a piece of junk compared to the. Hey, don't Royal go calling Space Lando's
1: Falcon. Falcon a piece of junk. No, I mean It had a cape room. It had a mini bar. That was.
0: Have you luxury. seen the Lady Luck, Lando's later ship? That's a pleasure yacht. That's what that man deserved the whole time. This thing's a freighter, and so it's really fast, but it is—it's a working man's truck.
1: I get that. I get I, that, but it's a truck with 26 inch rims, neon under the body, and I don't know. What oh, it's else have tricked I seen out like crazy. This Furious is a movie. pimp
0: your ride style thing. But <laughs> what I was going to say I, is, like, you think of this piece of glass and steel art that's in the yeah. heart of the uh, the Nubian craft, yes. and then you see the, like the hot water tank that is the hyperdrive inside the Falcon when they 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 juice the Falcon to get out of that black hole. Yeah, and I was just like. Oh, this is making Star Wars such a place. This is the industrial era version of this. And this is the supercar that when you look at the back of the supercar, the engine even looks good.
1: Every detail. Every Every detail. detail. The Naboo. That's their slogan. No detail goes unnoticed when you're on Naboo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, okay, I think I've said, more,
0: I think I had more to say about it, especially, th- I, I think I had more to say about it than I thought it was going to. Well, that to be short was great one.
1: because my memory of that ship is just nothing but good stuff. But the details of ships are not my forte. So I really appreciate so much information about Nobu and their craft. And other than
0: from about 1995 to about 1999, my knowledge of toys is,
1: limited so i'm glad to hear like i didn't know that it was a star that's really cool yeah uh we'll break that out one day and we'll play with it yay you want to go watch solo now i I do i really like we're talking about the scene in the ma that's all i want to do oh yeah no it's good it's very awesome awesome well everyone thank you so much for joining us today to talk about the shiniest ship in the galaxy till next time the j-type nubian
0: I say it was 327 327? modified 327? oh the last thing i just want to say and in the comic books the current canon oh. comic books vader ends up with that ship and he uses it on a mission are you
1: kidding me why didn't i bring that comic down here
0: oh yeah no it's totally in there because it basically talks about that it can hold its own because despite being what it is it's been modified and then
1: it's implied vader even has spruced it up a little yeah. bit himself so you're telling me i really need to get back on these comics yeah so, I've been buying comics for four years, but I haven't read Yeah, any he should probably read them. Okay, so I've bought every Star Wars comic that's come out. I think in it's the new relatively
0: canon. early. I think it's right after Vader's getting dressed down by the Emperor and these. Is it in the first run of Vader or the second run? I think run it's of Vader. in the first run. Okay, I it definitely it, have He uses that it on a mission when he fights um, the, the one eyed guy, uh, Cyclist
1: Cylons. Hmm, okay.
0: I, I've read the comics begrudgingly.
1: Vader yeah. was the one I liked. But... I like them a little more than you do. I think the little bits I have read. But uh, yeah, but it was cool that they had that callback to that specific ship. That is cool. That is cool. Okay, well, we're gonna listen to Solo. Uh, go <laughs> watch. Go watch Solo. Go enjoy some starships. Anything else you'd like to add, Mac? No. Until the next segment, we're gonna put this one to rest for now. Until
0: again, more canon comes out. So, but I think I think we can safely say that that's probably the end of this. Tale. Yeah, this
1: may be the last time we're talking about that particular ship. But it will not be the last time we talk about Naboo. No. Plenty more to
0: explore there. The N one. <laughs> All right. Till next time. All right. So that's how our story wraps up for this week. Um, so we had some fun talking about Watto. We had some fun talking about the ship that brought Watto into this scene when its hyperdrive breaks.
1: Uh, I don't know. I think it's a pretty good episode zero. Yeah, you know, it, it's great. To lead off with a character as awesome as Watto, it is going to be tough to follow him up, but boy... We did start with a showstopper, didn't we? You know, there is just something about Watto that warms my heart.
0: Yeah, no, I think he warms everyone's heart. And I think it's because you need to give him some
1: heart, because he doesn't have one. That's fair. That's (laughs) fair. You know, Watto is misunderstood, I think I'll go so far as to say that. Watto has given a lot to this galaxy... And he's had a few rough breaks, so uh, I've set up a Patreon for Watto, and if we could all go there and just donate a little bit. Oh, no, wait.
0: Sorry. Listen, the the the, Watra, the the Watto empire of uh, junk stores across the galaxy isn't going to come from no money. It has to come from you, the viewers at home. He needs that
1: seed to get growing, baby.
0: He does. So I think normally this is going to be the segment where we talk about you, the audience, who has listened to our show and has uh, written us emails, comments, maybe not every show, but uh, since this is episode zero, let me just cut to that.
1: Yep, oh, it was there. so great to hear from you today, sir or ma'am. I... Wow, your love for Wato has just reinvigorated me. Uh, I'm going out to get a full Watto half-sleeve tattoo after this. I I think Um, it's only appropriate. I mean, with such an impassioned story
0: of how that impacted that person's life, how could you not?
1: How could you not?
0: And then I'm going to go get a... um, I want the Nubian spacecraft right on my arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way, I have a reason to say Nubian in uh, normal conversation, which will not get awkward at all.
1: Is there reflective tattooing? Oh, could what you, you can do is it? put
0: metal underneath of there. So okay. I may not maybe maybe we'll make a chrome, but I could probably make it magnetic. So I could
1: put fridge magnets on myself. You could get a Nubian magnet. Okay, so I have. Oh, how do we not talk about? I have that Nubian ship as a ornament that was released. In 1999, Christmas 99 by Hallmark. Well, to be honest, keepsake ornament. Wow. that's
0: that's what the appendices, I think, are going to be for here. It's yeah. just for, ah, crap, I forgot. Like, I forgot to talk. And this is good because this is off canon. One of the things is when Phasma came out, everyone had this story about she was made out of the armor oh. of the ship. And I looked through canon. I dug through it. Yes, her armor is built out of some Nubian spacecraft, but not that particular Palpatine one. Palpatine ship. Right, is which is not necessarily ship. either of the two silvery yeah. ships we've seen so far. So we left that Crazy. out. Crazy. But again, it's kind of, it. she's wearing star
1: starship armor. See, that is the tie-in in Episode 7 of the prequels. In Episode 8, Luke talks about uh, Darth Sidious. And so every Star Wars movie does pay some reference to the prequels.
0: And I think the last thing I want to say here in the appendices is just also just a little tip of the cap of the fact of like, I just want to pe- let people know that right now, it is the middle of 2019. We have just gotten through Celebration. We're excited about things like The Mandalorian. We're excited about things like the coming back of Clone Wars. Episode 9 is only a couple months away. We,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: We've we never been closer. We've never yet. been closer Matt.
1: Is Resistance still on? Is that airing right now? <sighs> I'm only five episodes in. I'm further than you but I'm not caught up so I do yes you are farther in than me then
0: yeah resistance I think resistance might be off the air for the summer I think it's I think it's
1: the The, same slot as Clone Wars so it's like October to March okay so we may be seeing some resistance we're probably seeing some resistance this fall
0: yeah but it's very it's a very exciting time to be a Star Wars fan that's why we're starting a podcast is because it's just a good place and there's just something nice about being part of this community right as we get to the end of the Skywalker saga and um I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be all in on Star Wars, Mac. All right. Well, with that, I'm Mac. I'm Ross. And thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time here on Star Wars All In. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac the III, Ross Grico and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, movie clips, and sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2019.